The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Football to the max, as we have uh, just about, I want to say an hour and a half from the Monday Night Football game concluding here, and what a thriller it was, coming down to some bonehead decisions and some other and penalties and other things happening uh, with the Seahawks and Falcons. The Falcons win by three thirty-four. 31 and now take the lead in the second wild card spot due to the head-to-head over the Falcons now and you know put they, they gave a little life to some of the other teams uh, so there's uh, only one team that's seven and three right now in that wild card race so I guess that's good for the NFC but yeah interesting this game was Certainly felt like it could be another one of those where the Falcons could blow it. And then a yard short on a field goal kick by Blair Walsh, of all people. And the Seahawks cannot get the tie. Send it into overtime. Blair, Pete, both of you had one job. Just one job. One job. To be fair, a 52-yard field goal is not a not a tip shot. That's why I'm not entirely blaming him, but if a certain gum-chewing head coach decided to kick a field goal at the half rather than go for a fake, it's a much different game. Yeah, I, that one I will never understand. He doesn't make any amends for it. I guess that's fine. I mean, he's like... Belichick and and that he's not gonna make you know make amends for oh well now I shouldn't have done that in hindsight or whatever it's like I get you see that in the film but it's just like this is the end of the half that we're talking about this is not the end of the game and you need a touchdown this is not oh we're down by like 15 and and like it's a play that's gonna work like, uh, I, I just, I don't get it. It's a 35-yard field goal. Take the three mm-hmm. points. You never know when you're going to need the points. 
you know how your team is where they make they can make big strides quickly. I just that I just don't do not understand. And then Luke Wilson of all people, a freaking slow tight end. It'd been Ooh. different if you know you you did it to Rich, you gave it to Lockett or Richardson or something like that. Like that's wow. Yeah, I mean, for someone, and especially trying to run laterally right into the gap where the lineman and head coach Dan Quinn said, hey, watch out for some sort of a fake. So lineman right on that front row, wide open, boom, easy tackle before the play even develops. I don't know even if someone like Lockett or Richardson could have made that fast enough because the gap was only there for a split second. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he read that really well. It's That all came down to, was it uh, Jarrett? Yeah, Grady Jarrett just making that mm-hmm. play. And, and I don't, it doesn't matter who would have been there. It, you know, Tyreek Hill, who cares? It, that he wouldn't have made that play because he'd, he'd already read it. He'd already beat his block. He was right there. And that that's on that's on them for, for coming up with that. But, look, I guess you could say, you know, things are different, I guess, maybe, if you you have those extra three points or whatever. But it comes down to those three points. Your team got to mm-hmm. position, and you went and scored on a ridiculous – like the 75-yard drive they did before to get to get it close, where Doug Baldwin basically walks in because nobody was even near him when he caught the ball, and then you're able to to get the big stop to to give yourself a chance again, and it's Blair Walsh missing that field. It's like airballing it right underneath, like man. And what was really weird was after the big run to get really the first down and get closer. You have seven seconds left. They were initially thinking about maybe running a quick play to the sidelines, getting those few extra yards. And then you had John Gruden saying, no, you bring Blair Walsh out now. And it's just. Well, yeah, he should have went with his gut. Right, just go ahead and run the play. If you lose on running the play, you look even stupider, mm-hmm. or, or more stupid because you at least could have, you know, hit the field goal, and you never know. But yeah, I mean, 2012 Blair Walsh to 2017 Blair Walsh. That's five years older. That's five years more for your leg to get weaker. And. They did say his uh, season high was 49. So, Yeah, and I think they should have bet on that rather than his career long being 50. I mean, but during the entire – the entire – like that entire drive, what are you doing throwing these little five-yard dink passes in the middle of the field? There's nothing to the outside ever. I, mean, I just didn't understand it. Like, everybody else that runs that two-minute mm-hmm. offense, you're throwing those little out passes to the outside, making it's sure the people get no- out. Like, Yeah, I just, I just didn't understand that. Like, 
I mean, my full, what I would say was if they went back to the drive previously, they figured they were a little bit more tight up the middle. So even in their deeper passes, their deeper routes, they were softer outside. So Pete Carroll, Daryl Bevel figured, okay, Arizona's going to have their corners out wider, protect those outside, and give everything up in the middle of the field, which to an extent they did. But if you're going to go to the middle of the field in that situation, you have to go at least one shot. And you have to go a bit deeper than five yards here, five yards there. Absolutely. 10, 12-yard routes that you run up, try to clock it, and figure out what to do next. Yeah, I just... uh, I mean, you got to give Seahawks credit. Like Russell Wilson made some incredible plays again, running around and doing his thing. And they they did everything that you're used to seeing with the Seahawks now this year and for multiple years. The defense isn't keeping it together, especially with the loss of Chancellor now as well, not not to mention Sherman. You're playing a, a bunch of guys in Jeremy Lane and McDougal, and I thought they held it together well enough. Just, man, that that's... There, there's a lot more questions than answers, especially from this team now, and... Although they're in the playoff hunt still at six and four, I think the window is a, tonight. The window officially closed for Seattle. Oh well, they as can as, still win the division. Well, I mean, they the Rams can still, just lost. I mean, yeah, they can they play still the Rams win, again. They can still win the division, but as far as being the one of the elite teams, being one of those. Major contenders in the NFC? No, that window's closed. Yeah, I mean, that that final drive where you sack Ryan to make sure he doesn't get the first down, I mean, that was your first sack of the night, the most important one you had to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the review that puts Coleman, like, an inch short and causes them to have to go for the field goal. I mean, you had so much go your way if you're the Seahawks there in that fourth quarter. And then for you not to at least force overtime was just, that's got to be heartbreaking, I think. Like you said, it's, I mean, this is a team that's full of veterans. They're going to pull it up for the next game or whatever. But that's, that's just got to be rough when you're having to overcome dumb coaching decisions. What, over 100 yards of penalties? That's ridiculous. Uh, Should not be happening. I, I mean... You had the the what helped them a lot too as well was the that's the thing I didn't understand either is you're coming off where you got a a, a lucky mistake by the the punt returner or the kick returner mm-hmm. and you're able to put that into a touchdown off a fourth and goal that you went for after you couldn't get a yard between Lacey and uh, Davis. And then you go and force them to to kick another field goal. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the half, you, you do that stupid fake. And you could have erased the three points that they got to go into the half. It is, 
doesn't make sense to me, but I, I yeah, I just uh, Seattle also had the the strip sack where Claiborne got it and he got the touchdown. So you know, each each team had a turnover go for a score. Uh, the you also had Jimmy Graham drop that TD in the end zone that touched his hands and he didn't come down with it. It, it to me this just came down to moments for this game. It it, it really did, and now it's a question of can the Falcons really use this as momentum going into their next couple of weeks because all of a sudden now you're a game back of the Panthers, two back of the Saints with five divisional games remaining in your last six. Can the Falcons really prove that there's no hangover anymore? I wonder wonder that, yeah, because what we... We would have. This would have been a different, much different game, mm-hmm. had we had Seattle gone and forced overtime and Navy won. Mm-hmm. I think we would have been talking about, oh, here's another game that the Falcons blew after they were leading by a significant amount, and off of mistakes and bad penalties and and other things, you know. I, I mean, you got to win these close ones, right? That's that's two in a row that, you know, you went and beat the Cowboys uh, badly in the second half, and then you come in here into Seattle, they're missing guys, and you almost lose it, but you go ahead and win. I think that, like you said, it gives them a lot of momentum, and you've got a lot of divisional games left. I mean, two of these teams are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay is, is, what it, you know, is what it is, and what happened this week doesn't make me change. Uh, that thought at all, but yeah, I I just I think you got to commend the Falcons for it's, they 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 put up the points in this game. I mean, normally we've seen them where they don't score thirty and they don't play that well. They put up the points in this game. Uh, Seattle had to try really hard to get back into it. They did. And just uh, hey, Falcons are able to escape, and sometimes that's that's what you need. Yeah, that's really exactly what you need—that extra bit of adversity. And I don't know. This is definitely making for a more compelling sort of a run-in to the end of the season, but. I don't know. This is just one of those games to where between even if somehow both of these teams make it in or one is in, one is out, this is a pretty significant asterisk. Right, yeah, because they'll have the head-to-head with each other and the Falcons will get that based on, based on this game here, so... You know, that that's why these uh, NFC games are important, just like when the Cowboys play the Seahawks later or anybody that plays the, the Seahawks later, you play the Rams later, you play the Saints later, those are all going to matter. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, that's why uh, these are important. And I, speaking of, 
I guess this this game wasn't that important. It was sort of important for the Bengals, who were trying to, I guess, keep up in what you can call it a playoff race for the two wild card spots with really bad teams. Uh, the Bengals are able to get past the Broncos, and the Broncos played badly enough on offense to where Mike McCoy, former Chargers coach, relieved of his duties as Broncos offensive coordinator. Uh, I called this upset as the Broncos were a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And this just shows that Osweiler's time in the NFL might be drawing to a very quick and abrupt close. The Bengals' first win in Denver since 1975. And the first time they've won outside of the state of Ohio in over a year and a half. Amazing. Yeah. You don't play this bad and get two coordinators fired and you still keep a job. You don't. Vance Joseph needs to be careful. Very, very careful. And again, Osweiler, one of those two men is going to have a job next season. It depends on which one. To be fair, Denver did uh, put it within a touchdown, or within three points, uh, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. But it it wasn't enough, and Osweiler should have been doing that uh, more often uh, in this game. Uh, Paxilance was active, but we'll see if he plays next week or, or anything, but... Excuse the dog who apparently doesn't get the the gesture of I'm trying to get him to stop and he he does not listen at all. <laughs> I'm throwing stuff at him and he still keeps going. Uh, so yeah, I I think uh, you know a, a lot of people were were saying hey here's Andy Dalton, what's going on? At one point you know you, you have to think if Marvin Lewis is going to bench him. This Denver defense is being absolutely wasted by the this lack of. I mean, Denver throws for gets 341 total yards, but they also get two turnovers, and it, it feels like doesn't matter what they do, it's pointless because right now I feel like this this defense is is being hurt, and Elway's calling them soft. Of course, the defense takes issue with that. But you think that that Elway's right here? I mean, I I don't necessarily even think it's an issue of the defense or being soft. I think it's more the offense. And again, I point back to Osweiler. Now, I don't know if Vance Joseph is not toughening up certain players like he should I'm not in that locker room. It's very hard to say, but it's one of those situations to where I get the general message. I just think it's not quite the best delivery of it. 
Sorry about that. I have no idea where that is coming from at all here. So let me read you some quotes here from some of the players. And, and the coach as well. Vance Joseph said he was taken aback a little bit by it. But he feels like in some aspects Elway's right. I mean, it's not like Elway's some dude that's never played football. This is a Hall of Famer. A, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He knows what he's doing here. He, he knows there's a motivation factor that could come from this. Because immediately, Von Miller, there ain't nothing soft about me. Uh, you know, he says, but if you just take a look at it, the truth is what we've been putting out there, that type of team we develop into, that where we are, that's the truth. He was telling the truth. Uh, Brandon Marshall also got... Under, you know, mad about it. He said, there's nobody soft on this team. We work our asses off. We go out there and give 100% every game. Uh, and Chris Harris says, there's ain't nothing soft in my bones. I mean, sure, look, these are these are Super Bowl winning guys that are out here giving it their all on their end. But you got to look at it and you got to say, that uh, that defense didn't put up the fight that even we've seen them do in other games. Andy Dalton shouldn't go out there throwing three touchdowns on this defense. I get it that the offense is committing turnovers and, and giving uh, Cincinnati opportunities they shouldn't get, but but it goes on both ends, right? The offense Absolutely. is wasting the defense away. Absolutely, and the fact that even if you have a bad day on defense, even if Andy Dalton has a day like he had and so did A.J. Green, you'd expect your offense to at least be a little bit more motivated and put together something of a performance to where you can at least have a chance and get a stop and win the game. Yes, in this sense, they did, but then you go ahead and you squander that chance horrifically, so it's like, ugh. That's pretty much been the Broncos' uh, season this year, honestly. And stupid. Once again, these things just play, but I hate these. I'll be so glad when Chrome starts the We Are Killing Autoplay. We're counting down. Because it, it is such a pain in the ass when you're trying to just get some help sometimes on statistics or whatever. Because, hey, you know what? Doesn't matter. What somebody says, you're not going to remember uh, all these. And, uh, yeah, but look, the Broncos are have been awful this season. It doesn't matter whether it's Osweiler, Simeon. They had that, like, two-game stretch at the beginning where they everybody was talking about them. And all of a sudden, it went absolutely downhill. And you could uh, make the same correlation with the Chiefs. They were flying high, five and zero, mm-hmm. and now they're six and four. They're winning this this division because everybody else in the division is is just awful or such a week to week proposition, like the Chargers are. You have it's a twelve to nine game. They even had to go to overtime. Yes, and the and the Giants come up with the win. Uh, this defense has been 
it seems like every game continually they have been getting more and more and more porous. They're letting them just go through. The offense is getting more and more cute every single time. I get it that people are starting to to figure out your big plays and stuff, but you don't want to turn Alex Smith back into the hole. Let's throw it five yards here, five yards here, five yards here guy. That obviously hasn't worked for you. And you talk about wasting things. Why is Kareem Hunt only getting 11, 12, 15 carries a game and Alex Smith is throwing 40 times? That's not what got you to 5-0. That's not what's going to help you rebound and try to win a division. Yeah, and if Alex Smith is throwing 40 times, what's he going to do? He's going to throw those two. He's more likely to throw those two interceptions because he's throwing so many times. You were never in a position where you had to throw. It was 12 to 9. I mean, it's not like the Giants were up 15. You could have run the ball at any point in this game. It just it it makes no sense to me what the Chiefs are trying to do. You're gonna wind up wasting these games away against opposition that you need, you should be beating and beating handily, like the Giants, like like the I mean I don't know about the Bills when you know they don't try to try out a rookie out there like idiots, but this is a Giants team that's been down. Almost the whole season. Yeah, they went in the locker room and had this tough talk with each other and all this whatever. But that's that's just sad to me. What this what this game was uh, for the Chiefs. You got to give it to the Giants, I guess, for toughing it out and winning. But th- this could be one of those that comes to haunt you, even if you sneak into the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. still coming to haunt you. Yeah, I mean, granted, the L.A. Chargers are coming on strong, but they have to win a couple key road games to really bring in that division race. It's Kansas City's really still to lose. But even if you go win, are you going to live with another season of being one and done? Oops. As the number four seed with an Yeah, I couldn't hear most of that at all. There was uh, you cutting out and things like that. Sorry for all technical difficulties. Apparently, Skype is just being awful. I don't know if Discord works on your tablet. You might have to start considering that. Skype just being... A pain. Oh, between Skype and issues I've been having with the internet and Xfinity, the Google Fiber needs to hurry up and get here. Because, I, I, I mean, come on now. But Exactly. But what I was saying was, with the 5-0 and start, how are you going to feel going to the playoffs and being one and done as a three or four seed with this kind of a great racing out of the gate and just limping across the finish line over the last 11, 12 weeks. 
the good thing for the Chiefs is that there's only really two superpowers in the AFC, and everybody else is kind of the same. So the chances are of them not making the playoffs is pretty slim. They're just too good of a team. I can't see them just completely imploding. But, yeah, I, I feel like you got to get more pragmatic. you got to run the ball more with Hunt. This defense needs to step it up. I get it that you've lost Eric Berry and you've lost other players. But, uh, I mean, I feel like they'd be, even during that win streak when they lost players, they were still playing well. And mm-hmm. they just slowly degraded, it seems like, every game. So, and, and this game, I think, was just more of a, okay, this is two teams that play really good defense. And it was just going back and forth here, and the Giants won out. But, yeah, just got to improve. And when you've got these games where you're playing less competition, you can't play down to them. You have to uh, play better uh, than them. And the Lions went into Soldier Field and came out with a win after Trubisky and the Bears offense were able to get it down and get a tying field goal, Connor Barth absolutely shanks it. Yep. Absolutely just not even close, and he has been fired. Yep. Cairo Santos, the kicker that was, um, you know, he unfortunately got hurt, and then Harrison Butker came on and did what he's done for the Chiefs. He got let go. The Bears have now signed Santos. I don't think you can, uh, what happened with Barth, you can't really excuse it all. That was just awful. No, you, you, you really can't come back from that. It is a very deflating for a team trying to win a big divisional game. Very deflating for a rookie quarterback trying to get a significant game-tying drive. I mean, everything that had to go your way pretty much did up until that final play. Yep. I mean, you had Trubisky run for it on a 4th and 13. And that's what got them into that that spot. I just, I don't, I I just, that's, it's like the Seattle one. It's like you count on a kicker Mm -hmm. to do these things. And I know these, these kicks are not easy, but it's just, man, that's got to feel really bad when you've done everything you can. Uh, They had, at first it looked like Chicago was going to control Stafford or while he finally got it going. Uh, but still, for the Bears to compete all the way to the end like that, and then you lose that way, it's just, again, got to be disheartening as a team. And, uh, I mean, it's sort of, the Lions, once again, keep pace. Uh, though if the Vikings keep winning, it's not going to really matter, but you've got a big game on Thanksgiving that uh, can turn the tide, certainly. Uh, in the Lions' favor a bit if they get the win. Yeah, that's the benefit of having this big divisional matchup. And I believe, because I know it's Thanksgiving tradition, that Detroit plays at 
home. So that's an even bigger plus. Getting a home win and really this would mean in essence two in the standings. So yeah, you're in prime position. See what Matthew Stafford can do. Kind of keep the Thanksgiving train rolling that he's started since he's come to Detroit. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a fork on the road here just because uh, I, as a former cowboy, hearing the news this morning about Terry Glenn passing in Texas from a car crash, he was only 43 uh watched him for many years play for the Cowboys, go into the stadium. Uh, he was one of the guys you could count on, really. And then uh, all those years for the Patriots uh, as well and the Packers uh, at Ohio State, too. Just sad news. Sad news for Terry Glenn. Very sad and a very tragic ending to... Not just someone who had a very good career, caught Tom Brady's first ever touchdown pass, and someone who was really having something of a good life after football. And to hear about it ending this way, it's very sad. Yeah, condolences go to his family. His wife survived the car crash and is in ICU. So, I mean, hopefully she makes a full recovery, but sad to see that he got flung from the car and did not make it. Just awful. But, yeah, we we have to kind of move on from this. I just kind of all of a sudden just felt like we needed to get this out there because I forgot to say it at the beginning. But, yeah, you will be missed. Uh, Mr. Glenn and so many players came out and uh, showed support for him and everything. So I think uh, uh, that that tells you everything right there uh, for the man. But yeah, I mean, going back uh, to the Lions, I mean, I feel like Matt Stafford uh, just he's been on fire, 21 to 31. Uh, through multiple touchdowns. The Lions defense was letting Jordan Howard have his way, but uh, I think it was just a a big team effort. Once again, the team comes up with defensive touchdowns and everything else. So, you know, one defense to another, having to play on that Thursday game is going to be very uh, important for for both teams and, and also just to... Make a showing in the NFC North who's going to be uh, that lead dog. And speaking of, the Vikings had one of the pop matchups coming in because there's a lot of matchups with two teams that are kind of just, you know, eh, meh, or, or one team's clearly better than the other. But this was a team, you know, a two teams with the same record going against each other Vikings and Rams. Vikings come in, and Case Keenum once again. Looks good. Adam Thielen helped uh, with that. Of course, uh, the the 65-yard touchdown, they pretty much sealed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, big day for Adam Thielen. But, 
Yeah, I mean, and then you, then you got the the Vikings defense uh, doing their end, uh, forcing a fumble for Cooper Cup on the goal line. Uh, you, you you can't be making those kind of mistakes uh, right there when every point matters for the Rams. But I think this is the team that Mike Zimmer always wanted, and he puts another nail in that Teddy Bridgewater not coming out of uh, the bench. Yeah, uh, Kingdom, as you said, another great performance, kind of solidifying, and it's going to be quite interesting because now, potentially, Sam Bradford could find himself as the odd man out going into 2018. And on top of that, when you hold the highest scoring offense in football to seven points, yeah, you are a, a yeah, you're a major contender, major contender. Now, I'm not hyping them up too much because of playoff track record, but you notch a big win like this to get to eight and two. You're starting to separate yourself a little bit. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think. And then you want to keep pace with New Orleans for the, you know, those buys and everything else and the Eagles. And so, you know, those wins are going to matter for the Vikings if if that's what you want to do. The Rams really can't afford to be losing too many because it's not like the Seahawks are, uh, you know, they got to play each other again. And all it takes is you're in the wild card and it's a different proposition for them mm-hmm. uh, right now. So. That's just something to keep your eye out on as far as if this is an anomaly facing the Vikings or if this is something that continues because the Rams have some tough games uh, coming up. So uh, nothing is nothing is easy or guaranteed, but this is where you prove it, right? You're playing the teams that you're going to play in the playoffs, and so far you're 0-1. Uh, the, the other big matchup was the Saints and Redskins. That one lived up to everything you wanted it to be uh, the Redskins had a lead. The Saints had to come storming back thanks to Drew Brees throwing some key touchdowns. I mean, this was vintage Drew Brees here uh, in this game. I mean, so, you know, whatever you want to say about the running game being what powers this team, and it certainly did. Mark Ingram was uh, just absolutely a force in this game here. And then Alvin Kamara catching that juggle touchdown to to put them where they were. I just I think it said a lot uh, for this team to come back from what they had to deal with. Now the Redskins get it actual just absolutely terrible news in that Chris Thompson, their versatile and very important part of their offense, is fractured his fibula. He's pretty much out for the year. Just another guy going down. In the sea of guys going down for this. Uh, the Saints also lose defensive end Alex Okafor with a torn Achilles. He's out for the season. Just uh, two guys going out. And this Saints defense doesn't need to take any more hits. Honestly. So. Uh. Well. It, it, it's a little bit of an injury with New Orleans. But I would not call this a Pyrrhic victory by any means. Drew Brees has shown that even though he's getting up there and has been in the NFL a very long time, he's still got it. 
And Kirk Cousins shows why the Redskins are not going to pay him this offseason. I I don't know about that. I thought he, Kirk Cousins did pretty well in this game. He did pretty well, but at the same time, their offense was in a position a couple of times to salt away the game. They didn't. Yeah, I mean, the dumb intentional grounding call that that was kind of, eh, could have been... And they didn't manage the clock all that well. That's always that's always that, that's not always a clear cut thing. Whether that's the quarterback or the coach, but I thought for the most part, until that last bit, he played really well, kept the team in it. You know, on a day where the defense was was not always there for the Redskins. I just don't think you could put this loss on Cousins necessarily. I think this is more about the Saints. The Saints uh, wanted it more. Drew Brees was was having a heck of a game. He goes 11 for 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the defense isn't stopping that, and you know, what, what do you uh, what do you do in there? I mean, you're letting uh, Mark Ingram go 51 yards. On two different carries, it just—it's—it's it's amazing to me. At the end, when you gotta have it, how decimated uh, that Redskins defense looked. So, I think you gotta give it to the Saints for eight in a row. Yeah, first team in the modern era to start zero and two and then win eight in a row. They're on fire and. This is reminding me quite a bit of that team that won the Super Bowl. So, just saying, this is another obstacle. Whoever's going to come out of the NSC, they're going to be beat to crap come Super Bowl time. Because there's yeah, just many good teams. Yeah, you're going to have to go through a lot of good teams. and that's. I mean, you will have earned it, whoever comes out of there, but you're not going to... It's almost like what, you know, they they say whoever comes out of the West is going to be beaten up in basketball, or it used to be that way before the Warriors came and just dominated everyone. Uh, That same thing is going to be what it is for the uh, NFC. But uh, let's, we have a NFC and AFC divisional matchup, the Florida game, Buccaneers and Dolphins, the makeup from week one. Uh, Jay Cutler looked awful until he went out with a concussion protocol, throwing three interceptions. Matt Moore comes in and leads them to touchdown drives uh, with uh, Landry and Stills getting them. Uh, You had Mike Evans come back for Ryan Fitzpatrick and company. Uh, He played well. It just, this is one of those times where I think uh, you had the Dolphins' defense play okay, and then just the offense is so lackluster until Matt Moore comes in, and I think it was just too little too late. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't help that Cutler went out 
and went through concussion protocol, but this was I mean, just... I don't know that it hurts. I mean, it's not like he's been no, great this no, season or anything. It doesn't hurt, because let's face it, the man was not setting the world on fire, but this was just ugly. Yeah. Ugly game. I mean, but you expected it to be tough with the two teams, the two Florida teams, and Dolphins have kind of played that way the whole year, and so mm-hmm. are the Broncos, and so are the Buccaneers. I mean, let's. Yeah, let's well, that's good. exactly why they're both four and six. So I'm not terribly surprised. All right, but this is a D. This is a Dol- You know, the Dolphins. I think to their credit for coming back. But just this has just been too much of an up and down year. When I know you take the big hit of Tannehill going down, and you didn't expect that, and now you're having to deal with oh Cutler more, Cutler more. But it's just I think you kind of just need to stick with Matt Moore and leave Cutler on the sidelines at this point. I know you paid him a bunch of money, but Cutler's not helping you at this point. No, Cutler's not helping you. And if you don't have that much faith in Matt Moore, then you need to go out and potentially find another quarterback. Yeah, I mean, because the Dolphins held Doug Martin down. It was just the the passing game with Ryan Fitzpatrick was working. And if I'm Jameis Winston, you're watching that. Your team's functioning without you. Watch it. Watch it now. Yeah. And he, he, the word just came that he's not coming back Sunday. He's going to be reevaluated. So, oh, this, I don't know. Uh, hopefully this isn't necessarily the end of Jameis Winston with the Bucks because he did have such a promising start and a good future. But at this point, all three Florida teams are going to have very muddled situations at quarterback. Yeah, speaking of a muddled quarterback situation, give me a great sub- segue there. Uh, the Blaine Gabbard and uh, Drew Stanton situation gets more muddled because until the fourth quarter, when Blaine Gabbard showed the old Blaine Gabbard and threw two consecutive interceptions, uh, he had thrown for three touchdowns and was sort of just pacing his way through the game. And uh, I, I think you also have to give Bruce Arians a little bit on the play calling, too. Uh, but mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson also wasn't here for for Gabbert much uh, in this game. I think he did what he could. But uh, it certainly shows that if they don't have the running game, the Cardinals are, are not the same. On the other end, though, Houston did have the running game, but Deonta Foreman has a torn Achilles tendon, and he is done for the year. Yeah, another just terrible injury, and it's... They're really starting to mount up for these teams. And in a conference, especially like the ASC, where just about everybody's still in play, that makes them even more critical. So just, eesh. 
Yeah, it just it doesn't seem to like this is a game again. The Cardinals could have won, but you make some bad decisions. Uh, the coach doesn't help you along either. And I think you got to give uh, Tom Savage for all the crap that he were giving him. He put the team in situations to win. Uh, he he was 22 at 32. He threw two touchdowns. Uh, Deontay Foreman was incredible in this game. He had the touchdown that sealed it and everything. And then just really unfortunate to see him go down. It just really sucks for him because he was starting to come on. And you had a really great one-two with him and Miller. And now it just, it's gone due to the injury bug, you know. Yeah, the injury bug tends to bite a little bit harder this time of year. Which, I mean, this one you could say it's been biting through the whole year, honestly. Yeah, it's been starting pretty much since week one, so. Yeah, the and one of the biggest injury bugs, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you felt it in this game because Brett Hundley, you're at home and, boy, six sacks mm-hmm. on him. He throws multiple interceptions. Mm-hmm. You have your running back fumbling. Mm-hmm. The Ravens defense, finally look at the Ravens defense again. But the Ravens offense, good God. <laughs> they were just as bad. Uh, no, no Joe get... Flacco, they, they may want to... Ravens might want to start figuring out if they can do something with that contract because he has looked so bad this year. Ever since he got that Super Bowl win and got that payday, he's just pretty much shut down. Now, think about this. The Packers have played at Lambeau for a very long time. This is the first time they've been shut out at Lambeau or even at home since 2006. For an even bigger stat, the Packers have been in existence for a very, very long time. The last time that they scored no points and committed at least five turnovers, 19 49. God, our parents weren't even thought of it. <laughs> oh, my mom was two. Uh, yeah, my I'm dad kidding. wasn't even thought of that. Yeah, my mom and dad were not born. Mm-hmm. So just just put that in perspective when everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers and working out and potentially coming back. This is what you're getting now. And look at what you're getting with Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying, folks. Yeah. Just. Well, I mean, you. but that's the thing. They appreciate Aaron Rodgers. They know what he is. They know he masks a lot of their problems. And that was shown in this game. Brett Hundley is not up to snuff. And the Ravens defense absolutely clobbered him for it. And to just put up an end, a whole goose egg. Just bad. Bad at home. The Browns didn't do uh, themselves any favors either. 
the Jaguars' defense was absolutely incredible in this game. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, yes, they were because the offense was crap. One yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, I, I mean, look, yeah, Kaiser threw a touchdown to Duke Johnson, but that's all you allowed. You you uh, you forced him into two interceptions. It, should, uh, it, it shouldn't have been that close, though. No, it shouldn't have, but that's on your offense. Uh, and that's uh, why I said Blake Bortles is done. Yeah, right well, out I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's done because you have crap behind him. But yeah, guess what? The Jaguars are going to be in the market for two quarterbacks come this season. <laughs> hey, but you still have a season to talk about. You're seven and three. Come on now. Yeah, seven and three, first place this late in the season since 1999. And needless to say, 1999 was a fantastic season with a terrible ending, a very terrible ending. I mean, that could that could be the case for the Jaguars here, but certainly, I, I think with uh, the schedule they also have, uh, it it bodes very well for the Jaguars. I just think this this defense is legit. They certainly showed it. Uh, forcing two fumbles, one of them run back for a touchdown. The two interceptions I mentioned, uh, they were just absolutely, you know, mauling him. I think Miles Garrett deserves credit for the strip sack that he got on uh, Bortles. And that defense kept the, the team in it, but just, I think the Jaguars are just that much better defensively. Yeah, when you're going up against a defense that now in four games, during their four-game winning streak, they've allowed 31 points. That's, that's amazing. it. That's a, that's a pretty nice number if you're the, the Jags here. I don't know. Maybe if Tyrod Taylor doesn't work out in Buffalo, he could come here and do something. Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's not bad. Not a bad thought at all. There's always the thought, too, that, you know, what if they trade Eli Manning, but... No, no, no. Eli Manning would not come here. I don't know, maybe if he likes Coughlin enough. Ah, but... The glory days with the Giants are pretty much numbered. Yeah, but he's 36. (laughs) Hey, we've seen quarterbacks older... Do something. He ain't one of. He ain't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not wrong, but I'm just saying it's better than Bortles or Henny or anybody else you're gonna trot out there. Yeah, he's better than Bortles and Henny, but we're not going to get in a situation where Steve DeBerger is gonna trot out onto the field at 44. Yeah, we don't do that here in Jacksonville. We're not that desperate yet. We'll we'll see if they get desperate. Now. I mean, they they're gonna do well. I mean, that that quarterback class is supposed to be deep, so you never know. You might hit on one. But yeah, let's get through the three blowouts on the day from with games that were supposed to be actually you know interesting. Uh, the first one of those is of course the. Buffalo Bills, who trotted out Nathan Peterman because supposedly Tyrod Taylor wasn't up to snuff. He has one bad game, and you decide to 
bench him. Well, Nathan Peterman, what does he do? Throws five interceptions. Didn't he have about as many interceptions as completions? Yeah, but he's t- he's also tossed more interceptions in his first start than Tyrod Taylor and Tom Brady have thrown the entire year. And, and go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say they're lucky they benched him at halftime because I'm thinking to myself, you know, the NFL record for interceptions in the game is about in the seven or eight range. Do you finally realize, hey, we were stupid and put in Tyrod Taylor, or do you keep him out there and have a run at history? I don't know, but this is just so dumb to do. Absolutely the stupidest, one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. You're in playoff contention. Correct. You are not a team. This is not the Giants. You're not, you're not two and eight. Okay, you're not the Browns, you're not the 49ers, you are in playoff contention, and you go and switch quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor comes in and helps get the other points uh, that that got put on the board. I mean, yeah, by that point, the Chargers, you know, knew that they had the game in hand, but it's just, like, come on. I I just, it doesn't... uh, make any sense. I mean, and you can blame the defense for this one all you want, but if you're going to throw five interceptions, the defense never gets like, never gets to get off the field. I mean, come on now. I, I just don't think this was on the defense at all. The, the Bills are five and five because you make a dumb mistake. Now, if Absolutely. Taylor had been out there and threw five interceptions, okay. Yeah, but he wouldn't have thrown five interceptions. He had a lot more mobility he would have negotiated the pressure from Joey Bosa a lot better. I mean, that would have been a very competitive game, as you saw in the second half. But, no. You do this overreacting to something needless, and you're potentially throwing away your first playoff appearance since 99. Yeah, now you help the Chargers because they come in and they beat a Cowboys team that it's going to be without all of its... You know, the star players that were not there for the Eagles game. And you're putting them back in contention. They're five and six. You know, so you got another team you got to contend with for the playoffs now because you're dumb and decided to play Peterman. Yeah, they're five and six. Their division is easier. They win a good out of division road game or, hey, they win. In Dallas, they win in Kansas City. All of a sudden, that division's a race. Yeah, and then it, this this doesn't. I just don't, for the life of me, uh, understand this. And not to mention, if you've seen Peterman at Tennessee, the dude is a great practice quarterback. But when it comes to going out there and and on game day, he's awful. He's he's not up to snuff and just. Uh, Whatever. Exactly. What he did at Pitt does not translate to the NFL. Yeah. It doesn't uh, make any sense here. And I'm just dumbfounded at that decision, really. Now, uh, speaking of the the Cowboys that I mentioned earlier, they got absolutely spanked at home by the Eagles. Uh, There's no way around that. 
Uh, Dak had his worst game as a Cowboy ever, uh, throwing multiple interceptions. Again, this is a team that is used to playing. Uh, If you give this team a lead, forget about it. If they make you start throwing the ball, you're in trouble. That's what they did. Alfred Morris actually had a decent game. But that that wasn't enough when the defense couldn't stop anyone. And you did have opportunities where, you know, you could have changed, made decisions. That fourth and two, when you don't go for it, Jason Garrett, what are you thinking at that point? You have to be aggressive against teams that are aggressive against you. Yeah. Uh, That game was 9-7 at the half. And I've had a little bit of a bone to pick with the Eagles, actually. Uh, If you're up late in that game, why don't you trot out that backup linebacker to kick an extra point? He was doing well on kickoffs. Oh, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, you can go sign another kicker. Jake Elliott has to miss more than this game. And it's not like they don't have a ton of kickers out there on the scrap heap. No, I get get that for future reference, but I mean... But you were rolling. Why not do the two-point conversions? It's not like it would have hurt you. Uh, I I just think I would have liked to see him try it once. Uh, So you would have wanted to see him do the Jeff Heath. And Chad Ochocinco. Yeah, true. Yeah, Heath was another guy that was not available for the Cowboys in this game, but... Yeah, I mean, Derek Barnett was uh, a force. Uh, the Cowboys did much better in giving Dak time, but other than Dez, nobody was really available. And, yeah, just uh, this was uh, just out, just getting beat again. Just absolutely getting beat again by a much better team. And... Uh, the Eagles are 9-1 for a reason, and the Cowboys have just felt this this cloud hanging over them of all the guys that they're missing. So, uh, they'll have to do this quick. Thanksgiving's coming around fast, and the Chargers are also a formidable defensive line you got to deal with. So, this is... Uh, and doing all this on a short week... Exactly. You might get lucky and Tyron Smith is back, but maybe not. And everybody else for sure is not going to be. The Patriots and Raiders both went down to Mexico. Uh, the Bill Belichick went on record saying that he is not a big fan of playing the game in Mexico, that they are exhausted after this week, that it took a, everything from everyone in the organization to pull through. I don't know how much of that is overblown at this point, but the Patriots sure didn't seem like it. Tom Brady, 30 at 37 passing, 339 yards, three touchdowns. Brandon Cooks had a heck of a day. Uh, Deion Lewis was running the ball like nobody's business as well and, and catching balls. This Raiders defense is awful. Yeah. It's just, it's and, just and, awful, and the receivers don't help Derek Carr at all either. No, at this point, it's gone beyond their secondary. It's really outside of your defensive line. You have nothing. And Amari Cooper has gone 
underground. Maybe he did something and is in witness protection. I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) Insane. I mean, when your biggest headline is your running back standing for one anthem and sitting for another, you know you've had a bad day. That's, uh, that's also sad, but yeah, but whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's beast mode, I get it, so nothing against him, and I'm not saying anything on that note, but I'm saying that's their headline, not Raiders bounce back, not Raiders with hard-fought effort in Estadio Azteca, it's that and Raiders lose thirty-three to eight. Yep. And uh, the Steelers will not will be without one of their offensive tackles, Marcus Gilbert. He's serving a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing substances violation. And you also have Ray Maluga getting dropped from the team for a battery charge that he got over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, you beat up people. It's like, yeah, you gotta go. Idiots, I tell you. Just plain idiots. You'd think that they didn't play a sport where they make millions of dollars. You know, they pay you enough for you not to do stupid things. Yeah, just give me a couple percent of that money and I'll be Yeah, really, you know how people wish that you made that money and you don't, you make dumb decisions. I just, I get, you know, it's a very emotional game and people get frustrated by things and all that but it's just, I don't know either way I think that concludes our look at the week that was I we might just go ahead and do the preview tomorrow because obviously we're not going to be doing Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, that's Thanksgiving <laughs> depending on how things go we might come back on like Friday and do the Thanksgiving games just to get those out of the way so we don't have to do those on the Monday uh, but yeah well Tuesday we'll be back and and go ahead and do your preview for week 12 which includes three games on Thursday and then your Sunday and the, and the Monday night game that we got to cover for next week Woo, what a doozy the Texans and the Ravens you ready for that Oh, ESPN, save yourself some money and throw in the towel right now. Go in and renegotiate. Well, they can't flex those games because those are work days and people are not. I'm not saying flex the games. I'm just saying uh, you're not getting some kind of matchups on Monday Night Football. Maybe you give a peace offering of not even having Monday Night Football. Uh, That's a tradition, man. That's a tradition. No, I'm not. I'm not saying get rid of it altogether. I'm saying have it not on ESPN. Maybe the NFL would care that way. Well, it is what it is. I think it's every every team has to be on Monday Night Football. I think that's the rule, also. So, no, it isn't. That's Thursday yeah. night. Well, every team has to be on some kind of national game, and I think they do try to get a lot of teams on Monday Night Football. And they also base it off of playoffs the previous year as well. So, mm. uh, you know, that happens sometimes. 
you know, they're one year from the other. We've seen it with so many teams this year. They change, injuries happen. This has been the year for injuries, it feels like, especially for stars. I don't know how many times they panned over to Chancellor and Sherman during the Seahawks and Falcons game. So, yeah, get prepared for that some more. what this would mean if the Jaguars end up on Monday night next season. Oh, boy. There, there will be a lot of happy people because I, I know some Jaguars fans that are so mad that the only national game they ever get is the London game at 930. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and the one Thursday night game or something usual. I'm, I'm typically not mad. This third, this place is just a madhouse regardless. <laughs> well, until uh, we'll see you again the next on the next day here. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, sorry for technical difficulties, and also this is kind of a little later than we usually do this, and I think we're both kind of fried, I don't know, we were sort of stumbling through this, sorry about that, but, well, we will certainly try to do better on Tuesday, until then, hit that subscribe button if you like what you heard, subscribe to WTM Network for all of our other uh, podcasts that we do, and have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you later. Peace. Enjoy your turkey. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.